0: Can't help it, I'm ball like a Celtic. I can't help it now. Nah, I can't help it now. Nah, I can't help it, I ball like a Celtic. I can't help it, I ball like a Celtic. Alright, Celtics fans, we are back to another episode of Boston Celtics Game Day recap. I'm your host, Guy DiPalcito, and the Celtics fall 137-130 to the Utah Jazz in a three-point heavy bout from the Jazz. Uh gonna fall today's podcast, same as usual. Run through player of the game, some of the highs, some of the lows, and look forward to the schedule that we have coming up. Uh, but to get things started off here, wanted to give player of the game uh, to Al Horford tonight, and this is a this is a game for Al facing off against a, a force in Rudy Gobert, one of the better big men in the league, especially defensively. And Al Horford played a solid, solid game against him. Uh, end of the night, 21 points, 9 assists, uh, and shot the ball pretty well. 3 of 8 from 3, 8 of 15 from the field. Uh, and overall just played solid. Like played real solid. Six total rebounds tonight. But really, what put Al on a different level was his playmaking tonight. And I've talked about it in certain, in certain podcasts this year. One thing that Al does really well for this Celtics team is push the ball in transition. And we saw that a couple times tonight, especially late in the game. He had one rebound uh, where he pushed the pace, pushed the ball up hard, found Tatum, who ended up hitting his layup. Uh, And this happened a couple times throughout the game where he's pushing the pace on the offensive end. And when he does, and it's not a guard it moves the entire team up. Typically when a guard like Schroeder, for instance, pushes the ball or smart, whatever it may be, you typically are behind the ball from a defensive player. Anytime you get an outlet pass, it's typically to someone in front of you, right? So with that being the case, Schroeder might be out in front and then you have the rest of the team lagging behind. When Al rebounds the ball and pushes, everyone's already in front of him at this point. So he's pushing the ball with a full team ahead. And this just makes moving the ball so much easier for the Celtics team. Like it's different if he's just bringing the ball up. But when he is actually pushing the pace after a rebound, the game changes. The Celtics team is so much better when... That situation arises, and they've taken advantage of it at points you felt- you saw late in the game that happened with Tatum, but overall like Al's just playing really really good basketball. He really is and I was just looking on the the Facebook page Boston Celtics till I die, and a lot of people are start, are like on the al bandwagon and I remember going back talking about this trade and i was saying that al was the guy that we should go after trying to trade for kemba it was him Porzingis was in the mix there were a couple different players on what we thought were bad contracts uh al's contract isn't bad anymore it's not bad if he's giving you these types of performances like this is i'm not gonna say all-star level because i wouldn't I wouldn't consider Al an all-star at this point, but looking at the team, he's been arguably the most consistent player on the team. You know, I wouldn't say it's Tatum. I wouldn't say it's JB because he's been hurt. It's Al. And honestly, like Grant Williams. (laughs) And I, it, it pains me to say that. Like I love Grant, but Grant shouldn't be in that mix of people. Like, he is, at best, a rotational player. That's what he's here for. Like, we've got two All-Stars, probably not this season, in Tatum and Brown. Schroeder is a starter-level player, starter-caliber player. And then you've got veteran reserves. Josh Richardson, you know, these are the types of guys. Marcus Smart. These are the types of guys that should be in that category for most consistent. And it hasn't really been the case this season. I will say Marcus Smart's played really well, but you know, Al Horford really to me has been the most consistent player and he showed that again tonight. While I think he was like the best player for the Celtics, it's undeniable what Jason Tatum did late. Like he ended the game 37 points, 6 rebounds, 5 assists. And he also got to the line 11 times. This is the type of performance that we need from Jason Tatum. Like seriously, we've been talking about him getting to the line more, forcing tough shots. This is a game where the Celtics had so many points in the paint. So many points in the paint. I want to say it was 51 points in the paint against a team, or 50 points in the paint, against a team with Rudy Gobert in the middle right? That's impressive. That's impressive. A lot of that came from Jason Tatum. He got downhill, made tough shots, and made things happen. But you look in the fourth quarter, and this is where he came alive. 11 points for Jason Tatum in the fourth quarter. 16 points for Jason Tatum in the third quarter. So second half, he just turned, thing on, turned things on. I mean, overall, you look, it's If he had 27 points in the the second half, I mean, it does mean that he had a a pretty bad half. I'm not going to argue that. Only 10 points on, you know, 5 of 12 shooting, 0 of 5 from 3. So it's tough. But mean you look at it, overall, it's a fairly solid game for him. I love the fact that he's getting downhill. He was still moving the ball, creating plays for other guys. And that's important. Like, his pass to Marcus Smart, cutting up the baseline, was huge. Gave the Celtics a 73-71 lead in the third quarter. And the Celtics just played well when he was getting to the free throw line. With that being said, there are still a lot of shots that, are, that he's taking that are just mind-blowingly bad. It happened at least four times that I counted during this game but Jason Tatum caught Rudy Gobert on a switch who can jump he finds himself in good position down low but is i'm not he's not a great perimeter defender by any means and in four possessions he did the exact same play a step back three in front of Gobert he hit one of them one of four ain't good shooting though 25%s not good from 3 Like this is these are just the ones that I remember seeing also. Like it probably it could have happened more. But these are the types of shots that you just you scratch your head and you're like, I don't understand why. He's been getting to the line, he's been getting downhill so much this game. Why is he settling for these shots? And he did it one of the times with like twenty seconds left on the shot clock. Might have been like eighteen. They pushed the ball up fast. And again, he had Gobert, and he tried shooting over him on a step back three. Why? There's so much time left in the shot clock to find a better shot, and it's it's frustrating. I mean, overall, I'm not gonna say he played bad because you you can't say that down the stretch. He hit a lot of big shots, but it's just a it's a tough it's a tough game. It really is. Um, overall, outside of those two. You know, you saw Dennis Schroeder. I would say he played pretty well. He, you know, gave the Celtics a huge boost as far as scoring goes. 26 points, two rebounds, three assists to steal. So overall, you look at it, fairly solid game. Fairly solid game. Shooting numbers, respectable. 47% from the field, 38% from three. These are numbers that you can live with, right? Only two turnovers for, Mark, for Dennis Schroeder. That's a really solid game. And that was one of the things that the Celtics did really well with. We ended the game with only six turnovers. And you'll look at it for Utah, 19. 19 turnovers for Utah. And that was a big, big adjustment for the Celtics. Like, we outscored Utah 31 to 10 in points off turnovers. Like, you look at these numbers, right? So, Boston shot 51.5% from the field, scored 50 points in the paint against Gobert, outscored Utah 31 to 10 in points off turnovers, and we lost. And we lost. And a lot of it just comes down to the fact that the Utah Jazz hit timely shot after timely shot. And we'll talk about that. Before we do so, we want to take a quick break for a word from our sponsors. Football fans, I'm sure we all love an action-packed, high-scoring NFL game. But with the latest no-brainer from DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL, you'll be a winner once a single point scored. New customers who bet just $1 on any team to score can win $100 in free bets. It's that simple. If Sportsbook isn't available in your state yet, you can still get in on the NFL action. Everyone can play for huge cash prizes all season long with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Sports Contests. DraftKings is giving away all new customers a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes with their first deposit. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now, use promo code TBPN, bet $1 on any team to score, and win $100 in free bets. If they score, you score with promo code TBPN this week at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only, new customers only, minimum $5 deposit, and $1 wager required. One per customer. Restrictions apply. See draftkings.com sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. All right, guys, time for a new favorite sponsor alert, Venture Greens Nutrition. Venture Greens Nutrition is changing the nutrition game forever. They offer one-on-one coaching where they build macro-based diets to get you moving in the right direction. As great as the coaching is, what I love most about Venture Green Nutrition is their line of CBD products. They have tinctures, salves, beard care, and gear. And the best part is all Venture Greens Nutrition's products are formulated and manufactured in their own facilities in the United States. Check them out at VentureGreensNutrition.com use code CELTICS TAKE 15 that's CELTICS TAKE 15 for 15% off you won't regret it all right let's talk some negatives here listen utah is arguably the best three point shooting team in the nba they take the most threes most of their offense comes from threes every single game this is like an all time performance like one of the greatest three-point shooting efforts that I've seen in quite some time. 27 of 51 from three. 53% and they shot 51 times from three. Like you do out the math, 27 times three. They scored 81 points from three alone. That's more than the Celtics have scored in some games. Like actual, actually, like it's just, it's really, really hard to beat a team when they're shooting like that. And what happened with the Celtics, like we fell in a, a hole fast, like real fast. We were down 38-25 after the first quarter. The Celtics made up for that in the second, 31-21. So it was a close game at halftime, right? Third quarter. Both offenses went off 41 points apiece, 41 points apiece in the third quarter. And listen, this is, this is kind of the difference, right? Between the Celtics, bad defense and the Utah Jazz, good offense, NBA tracking data. The Celtics contested 41 of the Jazz's 51 three-point attempts last night. 41 of 51. And this is a really good example of Utah just hitting tough shots. There were so many times where Joe Ingles is deep. Five five feet beyond the arc and he hits a three. Donovan Mitchell, five feet beyond the arc, hits a three. Mike Conley just hit everything he took. Mike Conley shot seven of seven. From three, including a couple daggers. Like the guy didn't, he didn't miss from three. And then you look, even Royce O'Neill, two for two. Their entire starting lineup Donovan Mitchell, six of 14. Royce O'Neill, two for two. Conley, seven of seven. Bogdanovich, four of seven. As a starting unit, they shot like 70%. It's disgusting. It's disgusting, but this is, this is the team. This is where their offense comes from every game. You know, a lot of people are going to say, oh, the Celtics gave up 137 points to the Utah Jazz. And that's reflective of the defense. And I'm not going to, I'm not going to disagree with you completely there, but this is just the Utah Jazz getting hot. The Celtics contested a lot of these shots. There's not much you can do in this situation. I think the closeouts were good. I think the switches were solid. Even even holding Gobert to a okay night was solid. Like 18 points, 12 rebounds. Four turnovers. Like overall, I think you did pretty well. You know, I think one of the things that the Celtics kind of forced was actually Gobert handling the ball a little bit. Like, we got up on their guys and made it tough for Gobert to outlet the ball. Gobert tried to dribble it up and then turned it over. Something that Gobert should never do. Never do. Because that's where he had two of his turnovers, on stupid plays like that, where he just, the Celtics sort of forced him into. So, like, overall, the defense wasn't terrible. It's really not terrible. The Utah Jazz were just hot. And that's the part that's like that's just really frustrating cuz overall like offensively I think the Celtics played a pretty solid game. Defensively, I'm not going to say it was solid. It was uh, it was okay. It was winnable defense, but the Celtics couldn't pull it off. And it just it it comes down to the simple fact that the Celtics just couldn't couldn't deliver. A blow. You know, when they're shooting 50% from three and we're shooting 36, there's a massive difference. We hit 14 three-pointers as a team. They had 27. They basically doubled us up on three. You know, it goes to show that the Celtics played a pretty solid game. You look at the, the free throw numbers for us. 22 free throw attempts. And we hit... Every single one of them. As a team, we shot 100% from the free throw line. 22 of 22. Like, we won that battle. We won the turnover battle. We won the points-off turnover battle. But we couldn't pull it off. Why? Because they were shooting well. The NBA comes... is It's a three-point league now. People want to complain about the Celtics taking so many threes. If they ever took the amount of threes that the Utah Jazz take people would lose their minds like we're not we're not the three point shooting team that Utah is I'm not going to I'm not going to argue that I'm not going to sit here and say that the Celtics could be that way could run that same offense but this is the NBA now This isn't the 80s where everything is like down low bumping and running It's not that way anymore So the Celtics have adapted to their roster. They're still, they're taking a respectable amount of threes. It's not too much. It's definitely not too little, but they just need guys that'll hit those shots. And that's where the Utah Jazz just edged us out. Up and and down their roster, they just have people that can shoot. The only one on that team that can't shoot really, that plays, is Rudy Gobert. But guess what? He doesn't take them. So it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Like, up and down. It's a really solid team. It's fun to watch. Not on the other end of it. Not coming from a Celtics view. But, like, in general, they're a fun team to watch. Because they push the pace. They find open guys. They hit their shots. And that's the way modern basketball is at this point. But... That's where I'm going to wrap the the game portion up here. The Celtics play again Saturday night against a banged up Portland team. This is a game the Celtics need, right? You don't want to fall to 500. Again, the Celtics stand at 12 and 11 right now. You don't want to fall to 500 with the rest of the road trip coming up here. So this is a big game, but they've got a lot of guys out. So I wouldn't be surprised if the Celtics can pull something off here. But then again, I've said that before. I've said it before, and it's tough. But right now, no Damian Lillard for him, no Nasir Little, no Anthony Simmons. The Celtics also do not have Jalen Brown. So that's a huge loss also. And it's one that we had to play with today. And I talked about Jalen Brown last podcast saying that I wouldn't be surprised If he does not play today, because of the way that he grabbed, like the way that he grabbed his hamstring after one of the plays in like the third quarter, it looked like he was stiff. And they talked about it after the game too. They showed a clip of after Time Lord blocked the shot that ended up winning the game. Jalen, everyone was celebrating. Jalen Brown was kind of grimacing. And that's something that is just frustrating to see. Because as a Celtics fan, he is one of your guys. You need him to play well. And him being hurt, he hasn't been playing well. And that's tough. But that's where we're going to wrap things up today. If you haven't done so already, follow me on Twitter at NBA Celtics Guy. Make sure to follow our Facebook page, Boston Celtics Till I Die. And make sure to rate and review the podcast, people. It helps. This is how more people see the podcast. I appreciate all of you. Have a good night, Celtics fans. We will talk to you tomorrow. Celtics at Portland. I, I can't help it. I'm like a Celtic. I can't help it. Nah, I can't help it. Nah, I can't help it. I'm like a Celtic. I can't help it. I'm like a Celtic.